0: This is a very, very exciting signing. When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Maybe we'll
1: have a good surprise
0: for you. That's Vieira! Absolutely!
1: Welcome back to the Different Knock podcast with Alexander Moneypenny, my very good friend Bradley Adams. And as Arsenal are on the brink, uh, as Fabrizio Romano says, we can consider him an Arsenal player of signing Albert Sambi-Laconga from Anderlecht. We have Belgian football consultant, expert and very nice man, Scott Coyne on the podcast. Welcome, Scott. Hi, guys. How are you doing? It's great to be here. Absolutely. You've got loads of books behind you. I'm intimidated by your learnedness.
2: Very good. <laughs> I do.
1: I like, I like to do a lot of reading. That's nice. That's good. Well, listen, you you I listened to you on, um, uh, is it FK? I don't know how to say his name. FK. Hennage. FK. Hennage. FK. Hennage. Yes. Um, on his podcast. And you were fantastic and like so insightful about the conga. Um, so, yeah, Arsenal are on the brink of, of signing Lukonga. I don't know much about him. Brad, I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know how much you know about him, but um, we're going to learn. We're going to find it's out. Limited. Yeah. It, it's limited. It's <laughs>
2: limited to be kind to myself, if I'm yeah. honest. But listen,
1: Scott's going <laughs> to teach us. So, uh, yeah, um, we'd love to just jump into some analysis of Lukonga, listening to uh, you, Scott, talk about that. But before we do that, um, we have just sort of talked about this, but I'd love for listeners to hear just how you got into uh, Belgian football consulting. You sort of did it yourself. There's no... that you made your own path i love it Uh, so yeah talk to us about your your sort of journey into this
0: yeah well i I was very lucky i mean the the belgian football podcast um, that i'm part of um kind of started as a happy accident for me um we've just come to the end of our kind of first full season of covering belgian football which was which last season so we're just about to go into our second year and um the founder of the podcast, uh, Ben Jackson, who's based in London. Ben started the pod on his own, and I came across it by accident, mainly because I had an I've always had an interest in Belgium as a country and and Belgian football anyway, um, and came across the pod by accident and got in touch with Ben one day and said I love what you're doing, um, I'll definitely be listening, um, because I knew that nobody else was was doing it. And Ben dropped me a line actually quite quickly afterwards and said, um, how do you feel about kind of getting involved? It'd be great if um, you'd ever we think about that. So. I jumped at the chance and we've been very lucky at the BFP because nobody else has been doing what we're doing. You know, there's no other um, English language coverage of Belgian football on any scale at all. So we are the only English language podcast out there covering Belgian football weekly um, in in any detail at all. And not only that, but we like to throw in lots of special episodes every so often. In fact, uh, I think our best one last season was we had the chief executive of um, vaslan Beveren. Wow! Um, One is a guest Um they just had uh, new American owners at the time and um, he came on to talk to us about, you know, the owners plans for the club and um, their long term plans and how that was going. So, um, yeah, things have been going kind of great good for us and, and a lot of interest in Belgian football as well. Congrats,
1: man. That's amazing. That's and so cool. I think It goes to show, you know, send someone an email. It'll happen. That's really cool. Yeah. I love that. I love that, Scott. Uh, and Brad and I are the only English-language uh, Arsenal podcasts. Did you know that? We're the, uh, <laughs> actually the only people who cover Arsenal. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, um, Albert Sambi-Laconga then. So, he's uh, 21 years old. From-
2: Fantastic name, first off.
1: Yeah, proper star quality name. It's a good It's a good name. Uh, you can hear it being screamed by Martin Tyler already. Um, so, uh, yes, uh, six foot tall, 21 years old from Anderlecht. Someone who has never seen Laconga play, me, uh, in real life, other than on sort of highlights, sort of overall picture. What is the the sort of headlines about Laconga? If you, if someone's never seen him play, you're describing him for the first time. What would you say?
0: Well, I think is um, if you're starting from ground zero, he is. Uh, I would describe him as a progressive ball carrying midfielder. That's fundamentally what he is. Um, one of his great strengths is there are so many different aspects to his game um, and it's one of the things that, that, that makes him such a top talent. There are very few players, I think, who come with the reputation that he does who are maybe actually as good as the reputation suggests and um, Sambi is well-deserving of that reputation. He is He's, he's a real player. Mm.
1: The, there's been some sort of early on comparisons, and you talk about him as a, as a, a ball progressor. Some early comparisons to to party, and there's been some sort of chat within the Arsenal community around essentially last season when Kieran and Thomas Partey were out the side. Arsenal had to change the way they played, and in the signings that Tavares uh, of uh, Nuno Tavares, uh, Mario, kill me, Tavares, uh, and uh, and Conga, there appears to be sort of analogs for what they can do um i don't know how much you've watched the part and I, I don't want to put you on the spot and say is that you know is that is that what he's like but a sort of a, a ball progressing um is his is his, is his strength of course but do you think he's sort of all round player i mean you mentioned on the on the last fam as a sort of all round package as he got as he got the rest of it as well
0: yeah I think he does and that's clearly one of the things that makes him you know a really really attractive signing I think. Um, he's actually been on the radar of a lot of people probably for a couple of years I mean for somebody who's only 21 that's unbelievable actually but yeah he's been he's been a well-known um, and highly sought-after figure um, for for a long time um, and I think it's Arsenal are getting ahead of the game here I think and um, getting this over the line and getting this done I mean I've been asked a lot recently is that 17.5 million fee up front with the 4 million and add-ons is that is that good value and I actually think all things considered you know Arsenal could be getting him you know cheaply here because if he keeps progressing at the rate he has been um, his value is, is only going to increase so I, I think this is this is very good money well spent by Arsenal and he could actually fit in um in more than one way to that side as well, which is going to be one of the most interesting things to see what what Arteta does with them.
1: Mm. Yeah, I'd love to return to the sort of the deal side of things a little bit later on. Having watched him and you know YouTube scouting. I see a lot of, the, the, what strangely struck me at first was a sort of the gate. And I, I'm careful of this comparison because I know how it could come across, but he sort of gives me a slightly poor Pogba vibe. And the reason I say that is he's very good with his body. He's, he's really knows his body. Um, he's someone who clearly um, has the capacity to, to yeah, shrug off defenders and, and move the ball forward. And you mentioned his sort of all round capacity, Um not only is he, did he look to me, and this is all sort of, you know, to to um, be, you know, discussed by you. Obviously, he looks not only comfortable in the centre, but also out wide. I saw a lot of uh, sort of movement out to the side. He looks comfortable playing balls down the line in a similar way. And the reason I mentioned Pogba to the way Pog has been used this season. Do you think there's a capacity for him to be used out wide in any in any sense, um, even just in you know sort of build up? And is there any capacity for him to be used further forward? And you mentioned he's a sort of all round package. Do you think he could be? You know, let's let's use the sort of arbitrary, he's a bit of a six at the moment. Could he become, let's say, an eight or a ten in the future or be played there or deployed there?
0: I think he could. I mean, the interesting thing is when he first started out, um, <laughs> we say for a 21-year-old, he, he was actually a winger um and at that point um there was a feeling that you know he, he wasn't he wasn't doing too well um and he was moved more more centrally and that's when his game really started to develop um and i think they discovered uh, andalex academy near peed which is probably one of the top top academies in europe um that, that his ability to read the game um it just kind of you know took on a an extra dimension at that point, and that he was almost, if you like, maybe wasted on the wing. Um, Andalette have been playing him quite deep, um, playing him as a kind of deep line midfielder. He tends to sit in front of their defence. Um, he has a certain degree of licence to, to kind of move around the middle. Um, one of my own kind of personal feelings about him is that he's at his best when you allow him a little bit more freedom. So <sighs> although he can be tremendously effective sitting deep and he can make line-breaking passes from deep, which is one of his great skills, I think um, he's often excited me the most on those occasions when he gets a little bit further forward and he has a mm. bit more freedom because that seems to excite him and you can see that added energy in him. Um, I think he's he's been forced to a certain extent to fit into the system that Anderlecht have been playing and, and I think coming to the Premier League is going to be very interesting because the Premier League, the the tempo of football there is very high, um, and I think because he has this ability to pick out a pass or see a pass two or three moves ahead, um, then I I, I think this is the sort of league that's going to help him kick on a bit more as well because it's that... um, that decision-making and being able to make those decisions kind of even quicker than he's already doing, which he'll be forced to do in the Premier League, that I think is going to you know push his development on a bit further. So this is actually going to be really interesting.
2: Mm. Just
0: having a look at my notes, actually, because um, I've been making a lot of notes on him for, for, for a while because I've been talking about him on and off to a lot of people. Um, you mentioned his kind of physical stature. For a 21-year-old, he is physically very strong. And a lot of that is to do with you know the fact he plays in the Belgian league anyway, which is physically one of the strongest leagues um, in Europe. So you have to physically be um, in a good place to kind of um, to do well in that league. Um, but he's also you know he's an outstanding passer. He's got an unbelievable range to his passes. Um, the thing worth highlighting is what I touched on earlier: his ability to make line-breaking passes from deep as well and the other thing worth highlighting and I've I've actually underlined this in red because I think this is really important um he's one of the very few players who can uh progress the ball through both pass and carry as well mm. you'll find a lot of players in different such ages who rat, can do right.
2: such a rare
0: right. yeah that's that's the thing and that's the thing i think that's got a lot of people so so excited about samby most players of any age can do one or the other but he can do both and he's only 21 so oh. you know just encourage him and the exciting thing about the premier league is the pressure and the intensity of 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 the football in england i think is is definitely the thing he needs to kind of kick on even further i think so th- this is this is the right move for him i think mm. just a quick side note before we
1: move on you call him sambi is that is that his what people would refer to him as in belgium
0: yeah that's how most people refer to him yeah most people won't use his, his his sunday name albert um but yeah he's, he's known as Sambi i think and um sometimes he has that on his shirt as well interesting speaking of his shirt he's chosen number 48 which i will get
1: over as a squad number connoisseur eventually at yeah. some point but is that that's a reference to his
0: area code am i correct in saying that something like that it's a reference to uh, I think it's that, but I think it's also uh, it's a number he's obviously very wedded to, because I think that might be a squad number at Anderlecht as well.
2: I think it is, yeah. Um, I, yeah. So,
0: yeah, it's a, I think there's a bit of superstition in there, which lots of players, you know, have a bit their number haven't as well.
2: haven't to kind of hold on to. I actually have a, a quick question for you, if you don't mind, Scott. Yeah, of course. From kind of the way that, from in my opinion, I've not spent a lot of time talking to Alex about this, that I see kind of Arsenal's squad growing and kind of looking to challenge for like major honours possibly in the next few years. After the kind of little YouTube scouting, what this seems to be to me is that because of party's age, I don't know whether we will challenge for those things in party's kind of lifetime as a footballer. I think it might be as he starts to age out, we start to kind of gain in, in kind of dominance in certain places. Do you think uh, he has the ability, maybe, or this seems to be a move where Party is in there for now for Lokonga to maybe understudy, learn a bit more from, and then he will take the reins and be that kind of progressive controller in the midfield for... Do you think he kind of has the ability to, on a kind of developmental side, to become that kind of player?
0: I think he does. Um, This comes back to what I was saying a minute ago about I think there's a number of different things you could do with him um, and that's what makes him a good signing. I think this gives Arteta a bit of flexibility in terms of the way Arsenal play as well and it gives him more options um, because, you know, Sambi can be used more offensively if you want him to and I think that would be, I mean, personally, I would I would always encourage um, the freedom in him that, that allows him to express the offensive side of his game because I think that's what's going to help him develop more, you um, He's, he's clearly very comfortable in what most people would describe kind of, as a defensive midfield role. I don't like describing him like that, personally, because I don't think that is um, a, a fair description, really, of of him as an all-round player, um, because I think his vision is, is almost ahead of that, actually. Um, but he can fulfil that role for you very, very comfortably. He's a player who likes a tackle as well. He doesn't mind putting himself about. Um, which is kind of quite good um, you know he's he's very confident um, so he can almost become anything you want him to be which sounds like a very odd mm. thing to say but mm. that's why he's such an exciting signing because mm. you know you have more than one option I think you have at least three options with him if you're Arteta and that's what makes him so appealing yeah, that's, that's what's,
1: what's appealed to me about him. And, and as you mentioned, this kind of all-round capacity and and why I'm interested in this the sort of more attacking side of his game. He's been, I suppose, fronted to to fans or to, you know, he, he sort of played in that sort of deep-lying playmaker role. I also think, you know, going back to what you're talking about, sort of maybe it being a bit reductive calling him a six or a defensive midfielder. I don't think that's the way football's going. Like, you know, I think maybe there was a trend a couple of years ago for sort of DMs, but I don't think you can have a player who can just be just be the physical side of things, and just be a, a you know a destroyer or whatever you want, to, whatever sort of term you want to use. I think you need people who can play, and it looks like the Conga can do that. Just getting down mm. to brass tacks quickly. Um, so stats wise, minutes per goal or assist in last season, and obviously all the usual caveats about sort of league and you know game time, etc., etc. But minutes per goal or assist, um, Albert Sambilikonga would be second above Granite Jacker, Party, and El Nani, only only second to uh, Danny Savaios He'd be uh, second in assist. He's topping goals. Um, but also, intriguingly, I mean, he doesn't drop below third in basically any other stat apart from uh, passes per 90 minutes. Um, so he's an all round player. And I love that. And just to talk about his his sort of um, attacking side of the game, just slightly more before we head back sort of to his more build up side. And um, I saw a capacity for him to arrive late in the box as well. I've seen a few, especially against Bel, um, not against Belgium. He's he's Belgian uh, in sort of youth <laughs> games um, for <laughs> Belgium. Uh, sort of youth games for Belgium. I saw quite a few where he sort of arrived quite late in the box. Now that may be again um, the way he's utilised at, at, at youth level. Is that something that we have Joe Willock, who's sort of especially good at that? Is that something you you'd pick out in Lukonga's game as well or Sambi's game?
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I th- this is a player who um, I, I I think to a certain extent over the last season at Anderlecht was constrained a little bit um, by the system he was playing in. I was talking earlier about how important it is, I think, to give him freedom. I think he's at his best when you allow him to express himself and to kind of control games. I think when you... Um, you give him instructions and put him in a certain role, I think that's when um, you don't see the best side of his game, I think. So I think if they can find a balance, if Arteta can find a balance between um, allowing him not to uh, upset the balance of the midfield, but also give him give him enough freedom to, to add to the attack, um, then that's when you'll get the best out of him. But that that's just how I would use him. Um, I, I don't think we we know he can make line breaking passes but why why ask him to just sit deep whatever that is Mm. Um, For you um, And just kind of keep him there I think Um, Any side playing against Sambi um, Is not going to like the fact That you have a player who has that line-breaking ability But he can do it from anywhere Not only that, but he can make the late runs That you were talking about And can Mm. appear from nowhere So he's one of those players that you never quite know where you are If you give him freedom So um, yeah, I mean this is this is a signing I think that you know Arsenal fans should be very excited about this. I think because he's been, he's been Anderlecht's um, top asset for for a long time, and Anderlecht have known that you know they were going to have to sell him for for kind of top money earlier than they would have wanted to because of the situation they're in, um, but that's just the model they're working to at the moment. And you know, I, mm. yeah, this is this is a very very exciting signing. Mm.
1: Uh, just going back to what Brad said as well about uh, deputizing it's also exciting that potentially he can deputize in various different roles across the midfield mm-hmm. and, and so may may get some more assists uh, some more appearances sorry. Um so talking about Sambi as a kind of Sambi the man he made his sort of breakthrough or his first appearances in 1718 played seven uh games for Anderlecht in the first division. He then went down to six the pre- uh, the next season and then the following season I suppose it made his breakthrough at sort of twenty-three appearances. Talk to me about him in terms of, you know, how he's sort of grown within Andelect. He's an academy product, is he, or is he uh, is he from somewhere else? I mean, how yeah, how's he yeah. sort of got to this position?
0: Yeah, he's he's come through uh Academy, the Nearpeed Academy, which I was saying earlier, is probably one of the best academies in Europe. Um and I think they identified very early um his talent, I think. Um, they moved him into kind of a more central midfield role, as I was saying earlier as well. And that's that's kind of really when he took off, I think. Um, I think something that they do very well at Anderlecht uh, with their top talents is um, they know they have a, a kind of finite lifespan with them. Anderlecht are not in a position anymore where they're able to hold on to their top talent for um, as long as they would like. So they they have a they have a working model at the moment really where they're developing their their best players, um, and uh, selling them on for kind of top money. Usually by the time they hit kind of twenty three, if you've not left Anderlecht by the, by that age, then you're probably going to be sticking around kind of for a while. And their top talent does. If Anderlecht could hold on to Sambe for another two or three years, I think they absolutely would. But. It's just not, not a position they're, they're able to, to, you know, they, they don't mm. have that muscle anymore mm, mm, mm. Um, for various financial reasons. That's a that's a whole different story. Um, but he's he's one of those players who uh, went into kind of the top bracket very, very early at the academy, I think, and has just seen this kind of meteoric rise. He's incredibly highly thought of at Anderlecht as well, so much so that when uh, Henrik van Krombrugge, who's uh, Anderlecht's number one goalkeeper.
1: Another great name.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a great name, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, he he got quite a bad injury last season and was missing for the majority of the season, um, and they had to pick another captain. and The company chose chose Sambi oh, wow. because of how because of how highly he thought of uh, in the academy and, and with the senior players as well. Because there are players there who are quite a bit older than him, who mm. most people would assume you would go to, um, but they went to Sambi because of how he was thought of in in, in the squad. Mm. So
1: he's clearly got some sort of leadership qualities. Is that in line with his sort of how he carries himself? You know, there's, I think, lots made of, you know, young footballers and the sort of the thing they put out there. Is there any kind of concern around, we we spoke before about Tavares and there's some sort of slight concerns about his attitude and mentality. Is there any any of that around Sambi?
0: No, not really. He's, he's a very confident young man, uh, which obviously is a good thing um, because you need that to kind of back up your talent. And he has a... Um, you know, he's highly motivated as well. You know, I mean he sometimes he doesn't quite play on the edge, but you know, he does have an edge to him, which he uses very positively, I think. Um, you know, he's 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 very competitive and I think that's probably explains why he's got to the level he's got to um now, because there are players were more experienced that were around him at Anderlecht who played in, in, in a similar role there. Um so, you know, he's he's had to not only live up to that, but be better than that in order to, to become a regular there as well. Um, I, I think he could be a very popular figure in the dressing room, actually. You know, he carries himself very well. Um, he's very well behaved um, as well. You know, he's, he's, he's not a disruptive figure. Um, you know, so... You know when they've been doing their scouting, Arsenal, and and doing all their due diligence and looking at the man rather than the player. Um, you know he definitely he definitely behaves himself away from the pitch. And and um, Touchwood, he says now now that we're chatting, but I, I certainly don't think he's gonna he's gonna disgrace Arsenal off the pitch. Well,
1: we couldn't be more of a disgrace on it, so it'll be fine. Um, <laughs> the,
0: <laughs>
1: the uh, yeah, so, so, I mean, is there anything, any other concerns sort of injury worries? Sometimes they're sort of like, you know... Um, I think I remember reading something about Gabriel uh, when we signed him and there's something about his knee and it was all a bit of a conspiracy theory. You know, I don't want to head into
2: that one. And then obviously, but, you, know, you, know, you know, Thomas Partey had had like six games missing from injury and then joins Arsenal and spent six months on the yeah, fucking sidelines. So exactly. I think that's always, Arsenal fans are so jaded by injury. Yes. Like, one of my first <laughs> thoughts when we signed this guy was, Is he injury prone? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, do you know it's, it's a really good question and I think the thing to highlight here is um he is he's very oh, fit. Okay. <laughs> he has to cope with the, he's had to cope with the demands of Belgian football and to do that at his age, um you know, is, is no mean thing. A lot of young players go to Belgium um on loan um in order to get fit you know, very, very yeah. simply because of the demands that the Belgium leave. He's Belgian big for six placement.
2: foot as well. Yeah.
0: Like, he, yeah, like, like yeah. me and Alex make a joke. There's there's
2: two players in that play for us, one called and one called Balogun and mm-hmm. they're both the same height, but we always make a, a slight joke about Balogun that he looks like a, a, like a tall five foot eight, like a big five foot eight, because it is that kind of mm-hmm. filling out of the physique, isn't it?
0: He's physically strong, but he's also got pace as well so you know the physical side of of his body doesn't doesn't slow him down um and he's clearly worked on that because you don't get to that level of maturity i don't think at that age in in any league without working on it um, and again, this is because it was Belgian football that he's kind of come through that system there. Um, that that's a demand that will have been placed upon him very early, and will have been expected of him. So he's clearly concentrated on that. And then when you put that together with his natural talent, um, then you know you've got a hell of a player in your hands. And I think. Um, it's gonna be interesting to see how he copes with the demands of the intensity of, of, of Premier League football because physically he's in a good place to do that. Um it's just you know, it's just seeing how quickly he kind of gets up to, to, to speed with that. I, I think he could do it quicker than maybe people are expecting. There's a lot of speculation that maybe there could there could be a degree of rotation there. I'm not so sure. I think this this is a player who you could put in somewhere um and he could make it his own and you know, never leave actually.
1: Mm. So, you, uh, on the last AFM, you mentioned that uh, the Belgian league, and you've said a few times, is, is is physically demanding. But you also said it's sort of tactically quite astute, and, and they're interesting. You, you, and it's not to say that they aren't. But would you say they're less sort of technical? They're less, you know, um, perhaps fast paced. How would you describe it? And 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 what would be the, I suppose, the comparison between the two leagues?
0: I think there's more of more of a variation in the tempo in Belgium than England. Um, you know, the Premier League is very high octane from start to end and doesn't really vary much from that. You know, it's it's a hundred miles an hour. You know, that that's it. Uh, I think I think in Belgium, I think there are more degrees of of variation to the game. So a game can start quite slowly but then explode, and can go the other way as well. So you have to you have to be ready, um, and you have to. Um, I think be able to change your game up a little bit quicker. I think in, in Belgium than you do in England. I think it's um, it's important to have have the ability to um, pace yourself um, and also have an ability to control a game and communicate effectively with your teammates in Belgium. I think because the the kind of tactical nuances of what can be demanded of you in Belgium are much more varied than than they are in in, in England. I think.
1: Interesting. So do you think he's sort of got, I mean, you know, I could I could spew the Arteta line of, you know, what a brilliant tactical coach he is. We haven't seen it. Um, but do you think he's sort of capable, tactically sort of seems intelligent and has, has adapted to different games and game states?
0: Yeah, he's exactly the sort of player, I think, who, who you know, could, um, yeah, be a kind of playmaker. And that he's he's the player that can set a tempo in a game and can change a tempo as well, both both on his own. But I think also, also for a team, um, you know, he's 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 definitely a leader, you know, he's 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 been a captain, you know, a, a big club um for the last year. And I think that's gonna help him coming into a club like Arsenal. Well the demands on him are gonna be very different. You know, he's gonna be expected probably to score a few goals as well um of of his own um nice. which yeah. you know i think i, I think maybe our, not
2: arsenal scott <laughs> well <laughs> you know, our midfielders don't yeah. do that
0: <laughs> I, I think this is where it comes back this can be really interesting to see where where arteta chooses to to start him if you like mm. um mm-hmm. and and whether he changes that um but he has options and uh, mikel will know that already you know he'll, he'll have done his own work here and he will know that he has different um possibilities here um you know so that 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 covers his back a little bit i think as well so if he gets it wrong you know it's easy to change it
2: i think it's interesting like what you say though because i think we all assume that this is going to be a signing to cover party because there are some similar um traits to to game but obviously we don't know arsenal's transfer plans like a lot of what these podcasts are when it comes to transfer news is is guesswork so i get like we we could be seeing him start in a midfield 2 with party you know during january during afcon there's all the chance that sambi comes in and locks up a spot permanently, which would I think would be mm. fascinating. And the fact that he was a captain, I think, like you've highlighted, is such an important factor. One thing that I love about a player of ours called Kieran Tierney coming in is he is such an automatic leader and figure for us. And I think we as a club need more of that. So that's I'm super excited. <laughs> this sounds amazing. Just a just a quick question. What foot is he?
0: He's right footed predominantly.
1: Okay. Can he yeah. use his left?
0: Uh, he can. Yeah, he can. But, you know, he, he will naturally kind of go to his rights.
1: Mainly, mainly for standing on. Um, so talk to me more about sort of Belgian football more widely. Um, and I'd love to come onto to the sort of international team. But sort of I, I think it's interesting to sort of hear about the context of, of where a player has grown up because it, it does inform the way they are. I mean, we we um, uh, I think mentioned, you know, talked with Mario from uh, Benfica After 90 about Tavares and his his growings up in 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 uh, the Benfica Academy and the sort of the pressure of that, uh, you know, all of these incredible sort of academy graduates, Ruben Diersch, Bernardo Silva and all that sort of stuff. And there's this kind of centre of excellence sort of feeling. Uh, Andelect Academy, Belgian football more widely. Um, I mean, I, I, this is definitely my ignorance, but would you say that there is a sort of a trend of young Belgian footballers who, because I'm thinking of the sort of generation that I know now, sort of, you know, De Bruyne and Hazard and stuff. And this sort of 10 years ago, was there a sort of golden generation through there at some point? And has that sort of carried on?
0: Well, Belgian football has been in quite a good place for kind of quite a long time now. Um, I think the the, the the kind of current golden generation which is going to have to go through a bit of a, a regeneration I think um shortly there there are a number of senior players with the national side I think that probably are going to start to um phase phase themselves out over the next year. Um the good news is the generation coming up behind the current squad is extremely good. So, you know, I mean just off the top of my head again, and I was making a list earlier. I mean, you've got players like um, Martin Vandevoort uh um Genks, Genk, yeah, Genk's yeah. goalkeeper, brilliant young goalkeeper, um Sambe, who who we've been talking about, you know, he's he's definitely going to be breaking through into the national side um and you know, making the move to Arsenal is, is only going to accelerate that, I think. Uh, you've got other players like Yari Vasharin um mm. at Anderlecht, who Sambi played with, another brilliant player, um who, you know, has been rumoured in some Arsenal circles, he's that he's he's been on a he's been on a list um as well. Uh, Zeno van Housden, brilliant young defender. Um Arthur Tiati at Ustend Yella Bataille, who's just gone to Antwerp, um Delqua, Another another Anderlecht player actually, another kind of ex colleague of Sambi's. Uh, Charles De Ketelar, who's at Bruges. Yes. Uh, yeah. Brilliant midfielder. Um and a- another one definitely worth mentioning is uh, Jeremy Doku. Oh he's um, so good,
1: mate. Yeah. Who, um,
0: yeah, absolutely. And he's a player I've been talking a lot about before the Euros and during the Euros who you know, I I did think could have a, a kind of breakout Euros. Uh, but he's he's very happy at Renn and so he should be because he, he went he only went there in January for sort of twenty six million. So okay. um he'll be there for another year or so yet I think. Um but Belgian football's in a very strong place. Um the academy system in Belgium's um strong, even at the smaller clubs, you know, so they do prioritise a lot of, you know, uh, native talent kind of coming through um, which which is good because you know there's a lot of clubs that are relying on the selling model, so they know they have to develop their own talent and then either sell on for bigger fees within Belgium, or to the one of the top five leagues in in, in Europe.
1: England sort of targeted uh, Qatar 2022 uh, and sort of pumped a load of money in. Is that is that sort of uh, is that a similar thing that's happened in Belgium with this specific generation, or is it just sort of luck and a sort of a general, always a level of investment that's always there?
0: Well, I think they've been, I mean, Roberto Martinez has been the, the, the national manager now for five years, just over five years. And actually there's, there's a huge amount of really good work going on behind the scenes that people don't see in Belgium at the moment at an academy level, and a youth level. Um, and I think the way the way that young players are kind of fed into the national side and the system there has been working very well for a long time. I mean, Belgium um, traditionally have always always been very strong defensively. Um, and probably about, I would say, round about 10 years ago, uh, the FA made a decision that they were going to put more of an emphasis on the offensive sides of the game, because that was the one aspect mm-hmm. of the national side that was just lacking a little bit. You know, Belgium always had great defenders and pretty good midfielders and even very decent goalkeepers, actually. Um, But the one area it didn't produce great talent in was out wide wingers and and strikers, really. I mean, there have been a couple and don't get me wrong. I mean, there's names there that are, are very famous. I mean, somebody like Enzo Schifo, for example. Um, brilliant, brilliant player um, who's just gone back into management actually um, at Mouscron in the lower league in Belgium. Uh, just, just, uh, just recently, um, they decided to switch the emphasis, and that led to them producing uh, more offensive players and world-class offensive players. So that's when we started to see, you know, Romelu Lukaku and Eden Hazard coming through, and uh, players that you know people would now automatically identify as, as, as. You know, Belgian. So they've managed to adjust the balance in terms of the players that they produce to to great effect, and the model that they've got at academy level, as I was saying, is is very good. It does work, and that's why it's good that Martinez is staying in post because I think the generation coming up now behind, uh, in all sorts of positions, is equally strong. Actually, so the future is pretty bright on the national level for Belgian football. Good,
1: em- I mean emphasis wise on the attacking. So you lined up, and coming on to international football, lined up with sort of, who would it be, Vermaelen, was it Vermaelen, and Alderweireld, all sort of heading, and is there a sort of generation behind them? Because I I, I was thinking, I can't name you any sort of 20, 22 year old Belgian centre backs, but that is me with no knowledge, (laughs) so zero. It's
0: it's a really good point, actually, (laughs) Alex, because I think, you know, going into the Euros, the big concern was the defence. The age of the defence, you know, they were all really on the wrong side of 30. All quality players, you know, whose ability to read the game um, as good as anybody. But because of their age, just their mobility is, you know, slightly less mobile. Yeah. um, And and lacking a little bit of pace at times, um, despite their experience and quality. So the issue going into the tournament and the big worry we had and... Belgium as a nation was asking, are these guys going to be up to it? You know, when pacey, really pacey, creative, wide players run at them. Um, And for the most part, they were. um, But when the Italians beat them, the Italians were um, almost unplayable on the night. They were really, really very, very good. And I think the thing that undid Belgium more so than the worries about the defence, because it actually performed better than uh, we were expecting. It was really... um, it was really the fact that their top players weren't a hundred percent fit. That that that's really what did for them in the end more than anything else. I think. Yeah. Um, if they'd managed to have kept them fully fit, then maybe they would have gone slightly further. You mm. know. So they can't. They can't really be too disappointed with the quarterfinals. I don't think, all things considered. Mm.
1: They were really, watching them. Uh, I remember watching. Uh, the coverage and there was a really sort of high wide angle and it showed their formation and they're so compact and so organised as a team I think Martinez has gotten playing some really good football how did uh, from an Arsenal perspective how did Henri get involved? because I saw him score an absolute worldie in a, in a training session
0: yeah, the train sessions from a free kick. Yeah, he's yeah, still yeah, got yeah. it, that's for sure. On oh, his left foot yeah. as well, Jesus. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. It's amazing what you can do when the, you know, the pressure's off and you don't know there's a camera on you. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I think he's, he's known Roberto Martinez for, for a long time, actually. Um, one of the reasons Roberto actually got the national coach's job was because of his experience uh, in English football, funnily enough, a lot of the top players in the national side have either played in England or still do. Um, and that was very attractive to the Belgian FA that high intensity aspect of the the English game that I've been talking about a lot um you know was was something that they wanted to bring to the national side um and that the, the physical aspect um of um some, sides of the English game something they wanted to, you know, really inject into the national team. So the kind of connect, connection came through that as well. Um, and Roberto Martinez is, is you know, he's, he's a very good communicator as a coach um, and, and has some very good connections. Um, and he's actually got a great coaching staff uh, with the national team. And I think that's one of the reasons why they've been so successful as well. Mm. There's a
1: documentary on them, which I saw a trailer for, and, and they were all sort of singing his praises. Um, so before we just head back to uh, La to finish this off, wh- where do you see Belgian football in terms of internationally going? Is it sort of twenty twenty two or bust with this, with specifically this generation? I guess, but then is there sort of? I guess there is an optimism for the future considering the likes of La and Van der Voel, et cetera, et cetera.
0: I think you know there was there was a feeling that they might they might win the Euros. They were certainly one of the favourites, and I think rightly so. Um, I, I I think. <sighs> 2022 i think they they should go reasonably close they've got lots of reasons to be optimistic going into that tournament i think because although i think there are two or three players who who may retire before then um I think that the options that Martinez has going into twenty twenty two are are fantastic actually. Not all of the players, you know, some of whom I mentioned a wee while ago, not all of them will necessarily be ready for twenty twenty-two, but they are players who will start to come through now, and some of them already are. I mean Sambi was actually well, man, was yeah. on the standby list. Um for the Euros um, and 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 didn't make it in in the end, but he would have been one of the two or three first players to have been phoned had there been any issues. Um, so I think you know they go into twenty twenty two with a lot of optimism of of going far and rightly so. And before then, of course, they've got they've got a really big Nations League game against the French coming up in the autumn. So that's an opportunity to win something even before twenty twenty two. The the big question. Uh, overarching it all is how, yeah, how much change does Roberto Martinez want to work in before 2022? Who's going to leave? How much of that core is he going to keep and change? But, you know, you mentioned the defence as I was saying as well. There are players there who I think could come in and, and do a job. It's just... Yeah, it's just whether um, he chooses to bring them in straight away and that's going to be really interesting to see if he does that with the Nations League. You know, Arthur Tiati, a really good centre-half at Oostend, has just had a really good season. An um, ex-teammate of his, uh, um played in the defence at Oostend as well, has just got um, a big move to, to Antwerp. Um, they've just paid €6 million Euros for him, uh, which is which is big money in Belgian terms um so there are there are really talented young Belgian defenders coming through, so um there's no reason why that that area of the national side can't can't be refreshed again quickly mm. there's a there's and i a, guess just to sorry, kind Robert.
2: of finish up on that sorry there's obviously talk and there seems to be quite a rapid pace gathering behind this movement to join possibly the Belgian League and the Dutch League I believe and I wonder what implications you think that will have. Uh, for both kind of domestic and international du- um Belgian football with like an influx of new watches maybe new revenue new new gate receipts and and things like that it, that seems to be a really interesting kind of proposition to me the fact that you've got these two leagues combining
0: yeah i mean i think I think the the liga as some people refer to it, it, it's a financially driven thing we know that um that for countries outside the top five leagues. Um, then the gap in revenue between those leagues and all the other countries is, you know, really big and is only getting bigger, really. And the Beanie League idea, the idea of merging the Dutch and Belgian League is really, um, comes from a desire to kind of bridge that financial gap as well. Um, a club like Anderlecht, um, you know, big, big European name, um, Vincent companies, Kump- you know, you know, I don't envy him. You know, he's trying to return Anderlecht to domestic dominance in Belgium, but also return them to being a player on the European stage. And the only way to do that is to be in Europe regularly. And they just missed out on um, the chance of Champions League qualification right at the back end of last season. And, and the very last game missed out on uh, Europa League qualification as well. So they're going to be playing Conference League football, uh, which is better than nothing, of course. It's better but, than us. You know, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, you know, it's it, it's interesting because you know, I, you know, there's a whole conversation around around you know, conference league football and how exciting that is, and I think it's very exciting because it gives there's a lot of sides who wouldn't normally get a chance to play European football who are not only going to get to do it now regularly, but compete against sides who, um, you know, they can only dream of playing against. I think, and I think it's good for everybody to be honest. It's it's a good thing, so we're quite excited about that as well. But the Benny League, I think, is. The the only people in favour of it really in in Belgium are those people at clubs who want to try and close that financial gap. Mm-hmm. So if you're at a club like Anderlecht, then you're in favour of it really. Yeah. And yeah. Vincent Company actually, funnily enough, he's come out very publicly and said that he's in favour of it. And you can I would as well if I was him because it's going to help you bridge that financial gap. Yeah. If you're a if you're a, a, a mid table side or one of the smaller Belgian teams, there's there's no chance you're going to vote for this because there's um, there's less chance of you being invited to join the league as well. Um, And also um, it just means the gap between those who do get to join it and effectively break away and those who don't is going to get wider as well. So Hmm. you've got this weird kind of thing going on where it's an attempt to bridge the gap, which is understandable, but if it happens, and I don't think it will for various reasons, um, that it will only widen the gap domestically in Belgium. So there's lots of reasons why this is not good. And also fans, fans are not attracted to it because it means more money and more more travelling. Yes, it's not an attractive option for for them either. Mm. I like Mm. being an idiot. Why is it called the Beneliga?
2: Belgium, Netherlands.
0: Yeah, it's just one of those, oh, you e know, one of those really simple. <laughs> throw, throw a name oh, at it, so you know, does what it says in the tin.
1: I should have known that. <laughs> uh, listen, Scott, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. You yeah, are, a man, this has been so good. Expert, absolute expert. Now, I just want to play a little fun uh, question at the end. Uh, five years time, uh, the Different Rock Podcast is still going, and we get you back on. What has Sambi Conga achieved in that time? What do you think? Where five years from now, where do you see him? What do you think he's capable of? Where do you think he? What do you think his ceiling is? Where's he? Where do you think he could be?
0: I think he's going to do very well at Arsenal. Actually, I do. I think this is definitely the right move for him. As I was saying earlier, um, I think the demands of the English game are exactly what he needs to kind of continue his development. Actually, um, and the Belgian game can't give him those needs. So I think he's going to kick on uh, even more. Um, and I think there's a very good chance that Sambi Likonga, um Arsenal will be selling Sambi Lokonga for potentially double what they've paid mm-hmm. for him. Um, you know, this is this is yeah, this is good business, um, and he's he's cheap at that seventeen and a half million.
1: The thing is, Scott, and you'll forgive our misery, What he'll probably be worth maybe even triple. What we'll sell him for, as Arsenal will not about be. less, probably. <laughs> be, we'll sell him for less than what we bought him from. We'll have to pay else. him.
0: I think he's very. Um, he's been very open about his desire to go to Arsenal. Yeah. Arsenal were his pick from very early on. There's been so much interest in him. You know, he turned down offers Italy. from Italy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Monaco were quite interested in him as well. Bayer Leverkusen as well. Um, I think he would have fitted in quite well to their system. And in, in, in the German game. But Ars- Arsenal in London was his was his number one pick. Yeah. Um, and I can understand why, you know. And yeah, I yeah. think it's got as much to do with London as it has Arsenal as well. Oh God, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so. Yeah, he's um he's he's a smart boy and I, I think he's I think he's chosen right because we see all the time great talents going somewhere and, you know, making the wrong choice and um I think he's made the right choice here.
1: So we're gonna win the Champions League and if we don't that's it. It's Scott's fault. He, he he told us he's good. I appreciate it, Scott. Thank you so much for coming, man. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. Yeah, uh, man, you know your so stuff. Great. Absolute uh, joy. Would you like to uh, plug yourself? Plug you? Yeah, plug I the would podcast? Love to do that. Go for it. Yeah.
0: You can find you can find the the Belgian football podcast um, on Twitter at Belgian Podcast, and if you search for us on uh, Instagram and Facebook, you'll find us there as well. We've got a, a weekly pod which covers all the latest action in Belgian football, uh, all the big news stories, and we like to throw in kind of special extra episodes every so often as well that cover a, a specific aspect of, of Belgian football. We do deep dives into specific clubs as well as getting some guests on as well. So uh, if you do a search for us, you'll you'll find us there and. If you want to come and attack me individually, you can find me on Twitter um, at scott underscore coin as well.
1: Amazing, amazing, Scott. Well, listen, all that needs to be said uh, is thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being here, Scott. Keep it different, Nock, and we'll see you later. Peace. Thank you so much for listening to The Different Knock podcast. Please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon and buymeacoffee.com, find us on Twitter at Knock and visit our website, thedifferentknock.com. Thanks. <laughs>